Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, we're going to look at a familiar portion of Scripture. Acts chapter 16, and I'm reading from Acts 16, reading from verse 25. The Bible says this, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your whole household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his whole household were baptised. Jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. One of the signs that we've come to know God is we experience joy, he and his whole household. So Father, we thank you for your word. I just pray that this word would make a difference in our lives today. I pray that this word would set us free. I pray that it would release faith. Let there be nothing in me that hinders this word, I pray. I thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the anointing, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, that our hearts are hungry to hear from you above all else. Uh, Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom here today to speak your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in a series entitled A Miracle for You. My prayer for this series has been uh, that our faith levels would begin to rise and that we would believe that God could intervene in our lives, that we would position ourselves to see God move uh, with power in our lives. We, we can't do the miracles, but we can position ourselves to, to have a miracle. The surfer can't create the wave, but he can position himself to be able to write. I'm a surfer, so you know, in my dreams. And, uh, but the, the surfer can, can position themselves to ride the wave when it does come. Cannot read the Bible without seeing God perform miracles. Old Testament, New Testament, the Gospels, um, uh, the Epistles. You'll see God move with power in each of these. So why should we not believe in our own lives and in our own day and in our own time that God could still operate in miracles? How many people believe that He still does? Can I hear an amen somewhere? I love this scripture in Psalms and it speaks to us about the need for us to actually experience the power of God. It says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Every generation needs to experience the power of God so that he can pass on to the next generation the acts and the mighty, the mighty things that God has done so that he can pass on to the next generation faith in a mighty God. 
Let them proclaim your power. Speaking to a couple this week, older couple in Italian congregation, and they were talking to me about their testimony. And, 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 and within the testimony, there are these miraculous moments where they came to know God as their Lord and Saviour. And they could only interpret those things as God intervening in their lives. Every generation needs to experience some of that. Every single generation needs to experience the power of God. Key verse for the series is the words of Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm gonna, going to the Father. I don't know about you, but that scripture, every time I read it, I know you, I've been reading it every time, but, but you know, it challenges me every single time. Lord, I know what's written in this text. Would, you, would, would we see that in our day, Lord God, I pray. Now, I've said from the start of this series that I don't have all the answers about miracles. And, 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 and I've said that from the start deliberately and my preference is to, I might do a couple of life group lessons so that we can explore this together uh, as a church. Let, 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 let's look at the scriptures together and let's explore what the Bible says and, and perhaps allow the, the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Inevitably, when we talk about miracles, the qu- question that comes to our mind is why aren't we seeing miracles today? Why aren't we seeing the miracles that Jesus spoke about today? Now, a lot of us will think that thought, but you know, we, know, we, we wouldn't dare ask that thought. And, and, and you know, well here, let's put it out onto the table, shall we? You know, why aren't we seeing the miracles, the question that we have in our hearts and minds? Well, first of all, I don't believe that to be true because I believe that God is moving with power. I, I, I do believe that God in different parts of the world and even in our, our own nation and in our own city in different lives, people are experiencing the, 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 the move of God and experiencing the power of God in different ways. Leo Harris was a man that preached in, in not far from here, Sturt Street. It was used powerfully by God uh, in, in, in this area and has written a book on, on the many miracles that he saw. And, but we're not seeing the amount of miracles that we would like to see and the question is why? Well, there are many reasons why. You know, the Bible tells us a number of those. One is a lack of faith. Jesus said he was unable to do any miracles in his hometown because of a lack of faith. There was a lack of expectation, unbelief. Well, I'm not really sure God moves with miracles anymore in our day. Some people have a cessationist uh, kind of point of view where the miracles were for the New Testament, but they ceased once the Bible was actually put together. I don't believe that to be true at all. Sometimes it's a lack of expectation, a lack of sensitivity to the, to the Holy Spirit, to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to what He's doing in our lives because what precedes a miracle is always a word from God. We're going to look at that next week. And just by the way, next week what we're going to do is um, I'm going to speak for a bit and we're also going to be anointing people with oil and just really believe that God is going to move uh, amongst us. So you don't want to miss next week. If you can, if you're, a, if you're a Christian that really believes in God, come on, why don't we pray this week and believe that that next Sunday God is going to move amongst us. If you can, why don't you fast a couple of meals? Come on, let's pray. Let's join together in faith and really believe that God is going to move amongst us. That's next week. Today, um, today what I want to do is I want to look at one reason that comes out of the text that we read. One of the reasons why God doesn't always move with miracles. And I pray that God will speak to us today. Before I do that, what I want to do is quickly look at what a miracle is not what a miracle is not. So first of all, believing for a miracle is not a substitute for obedience. God said to the people of Israel, observe and obey these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children 
after you forever. Great scripture. After he gave the people of Israel the Ten Commandments, he said, observe and obey these words which I command you that it may go well with you and your children after that. Now notice the promise. The promise has a condition. If you observe and obey the commands or the principles outlined in scripture, you shall be blessed you and your children. Now, some people believe the Bible is this old book. God has just got all these rules to make us miserable. I don't know which Bible you're reading because the Bible that I read says, if you follow the principles of, uh, that, that the principles of God's Word are not to bind you and not to make you suffer. They're in fact to release you so that you can be blessed and experience the power of God. And that same promise applies to you and me today. Now, some people want to bypass the principles of Scripture. Some people are a little bit smarter than God. They want to live however they want. They use liquid paper with their Bible. They get to a verse a little bit uncomfortable. It's just, you know, what, just, do people still use liquid paper? You know, I don't know. But anyway, and, and they kind of just take that one out and, 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 and so on. People pick and choose what they want to obey. They want to play with fire but not get burnt. You know what I'm saying? And then when they do start to feel the heat, when they start to reap the consequences of sin, you know, they want to plant a watermelon seed and they want to reap apples. You know what I'm saying? When they start to experience the consequences of their decisions, they want a miracle. God would simply say, obey the principles of God's word and watch your life turn around. God, God would say to us, listen, listen. Now, God is gracious. Let, let me just say, he bypasses. Sometimes we're doing the wrong thing. Oh, Lord, would you do something in my life? And God does. God bypasses our, our better judgments many, many times. But ultimately, as a principle of Scripture, God would say to us, hey, listen, if you follow these principles, you will experience the blessing and the favour of God. Secondly, believing for a miracle is not a substitute for discipline. Some people want to spend all they have, eat donuts every week, not take care of their body, be lazy. And if they get into trouble, then ask God to intervene. Again, God is gracious, He does. But for many of us, the miracle's in our hands. Not always, so please, please understand what I'm saying. Not always, but for us, many, many times, the miracle is in our hands. We need to cut up the credit card. I know, it's a cashless society, but people still take cash. You know, for the moment. Some of us need to start giving, start tithing. Bible, Bible says when we do, He will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing we can't contain it. Some of us need to do some exercise. Ouch. Some of us need to see a counsellor. God will never do for us what we need to do for ourselves. Jesus said to the man who was paralytic, get up, take up your mat and walk. Uh, some of us need to take responsibility for our lives and stop fantasizing about a miracle. Stop using a miracle to be a substitute for what it is we need to do for ourselves. Is that okay this morning? That sounded a little bit tough, you know. Is that all right? Just turn the business. Just, that, I don't know. Was that, was that okay with you? Everybody okay? That sounded a little bit tough, you know. It's all good. It's all good. Thirdly, believing for a miracle is not a substitute for worship. 
Worship is about knowing God, getting closer to God. For some people, their worship is dependent on what's happening in their life. When God answers the prayer, oh, praise the Lord, worship God is good. When God doesn't answer prayer, well, they don't like what God is wanting them to do, then they're miserable. Mature faith gets to a place where like David, we say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall always be on my lips. It doesn't matter what's happening to me. It doesn't matter what's happening around me. I will bless the Lord, though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no herd in the stall and this doesn't happen. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in God my Saviour. It's a position of the heart. It's a position that says, I'm going to worship the Lord no matter what's happening to me or what's happening around me. I will bless the Lord at all times. Finally, believing for a miracle is not a, sub, it's not a substitute for submission to God. There's a fine line between faith and fantasies. We might talk about that a bit more next week. Uh, both look like faith. Both are believing for more. They've got a rhetoric of faith. It sounds like faith, but the difference is God is in one and not the other. We can never receive something which is outside of the will of God. We don't want to receive anything that is outside of the will of God. Can I hear an amen somewhere? I don't want to receive something which is outside of the will of God. What I want is whatever is in the will of God. If your presence doesn't go with me, don't send me from here, Lord God. Lord, I'm praying for this, but ultimately not my will, but your will be done, Lord God. Lord, I, I, I pray this, this door would open for this job, but Lord, if it's not your will, Lord God, I I'm, not in, I'm not interested, Lord God. It's our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the beginning of the Lord's prayer. It's where we start. We start from a posture of dependence and submission to God because we know that God is greater, that God is smarter, that God is wiser, that God sees what I cannot see. It's Jesus who's, who's there in Gethsemane saying, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. It's the best posture for us to be in. So miracles are never a substitute for obedience, for discipline, for worship, for submission to the will of God. So let's get back to the question. Why are we, all, why are we not always seeing miracles in our lives like we would like to? So I want to explore this question by looking at a familiar story in the Bible. And we know the story well. It's Paul and Silas. They're preaching in Philippi. This girl keeps following them, and um, she was a fortune teller, spirit of divination, and um, she was saying, these, these, by the way, what's behind fortune telling is not a good spirit, it's an evil spirit, and don't mess with, with, with that, because you're messing with something which is evil. Pastor Joe, I just like to read the horoscope every now and then, I just like to see what's going to happen to me. You're messing with something that is evil. Don't play games with what is evil. And this girl was saying, these men are servants of the Most High God. Paul discerns that this was an evil spirit and he cast it out of her. Well, her owners weren't too pleased because they, she was making money for them. So they had Paul and Silas beaten and thrown into prison. Midnight, they began to worship. Chains are loose. Jailers... Jailer gets, jailer gets saved, family saved, and the church in Philippi is birthed. Two key thoughts I want to I pull out of this text. Two key thoughts. First of the thoughts is this, is that God does not always perform miracles. 
God does not always perform miracles. That's going to sound a bit like a contradiction to everything we believe, and yet it's in the Bible. It's reality. Took me a little bit of time to digest, I must say. Paul is in Philippi, and this girl keeps following them. These these are servants of the Most High God. Sounds spiritual, sounds godly. Paul discerns, spirit behind it, sets the girl free. Paul and Silas, the Bible says, were beaten with rods, flogged severely, says the Bible. This wasn't just, you know, a tap on the wrists. They were flogged severely and thrown into prison. Here's the question. Why did God not intervene in their lives? Why did God not send a little bit of fire from heaven and deal with the person doing the beating? How many people have ever prayed, Lord, just send a little bit of fire from heaven on my boss? (laughs) I hope none of the staff here at church are praying that. Not a good prayer to pray. Now, I'm sure that God was well aware of what was going on. He was, he was, he was not in, in heaven having a cup of coffee. He knew exactly what was going on. For some reason, he chose not to intervene. Now, if I was Paul, I'd probably be a little bit upset. Where are you, God, and what are you doing? Why didn't you intervene? I mean, some people might think, oh, maybe Paul was having an off day. You know, maybe he was having, you know, not a lot of faith on that day. The Paul that raised people from the dead, the Paul that, through whose hands many miracles were done, says the Bible. Um, was Paul having an off day? I don't think so. But here we have a situation where Paul was being beaten and then thrown in, in, into prison and there was no intervention. Why? Because God does not always perform miracles. We're living in a world today where the idol we worship is comfort and pleasure. It's not a statue, but it's an idol called comfort and pleasure. For many of us, we've bought into a different gospel. It's a gospel that says, come to Jesus and your life will be pain-free. Everything will go well with you. You will marry the person of your dreams. You'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Please make no mistake, when we give our life to Jesus, we will experience life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. Please make no mistake, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, your life will be lived differently and it will be lived for the better. The Bible tells us so. But that doesn't mean we won't experience hardship and it's a different kind of hardship. It's not the kind of hardship we were experiencing before. It's a different kind of hardship, but we will experience hardship nevertheless. Paul said to Timothy, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul says in Acts, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And I don't like that scripture. Anybody like that scripture? Let's get the liquid paper, man. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. Aren't you glad you came to church? Come on, say it's fantastic. Praise the Lord. God is good. But Jesus didn't finish there. He said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Look through scripture and you will see that not everyone experienced miracles all the time. John the Baptist was one of the greatest prophets who ever lived. Jesus himself said, John the Baptist was the the greatest prophet that ever lived, Old Testament and New Testament. Yet he was thrown into prison and beheaded and Jesus knew all about it. 
Most of the disciples who were used by God in a powerful way did not die a natural death. It's believed maybe John the Baptist, uh, John did, so that, sorry, the disciple John may have died of old age, but the rest did not die a natural death. Stephen, for whom the Bible describes as a man full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people, was actually stoned to death while the Apostle Paul was watching it happen. Getting back to the Apostle Paul, he raised people from the dead, saw amazing miracles, yet Paul experienced shipwrecks, beatings, hunger, nights out in the open sea. He even experienced sickness. The reason why he went to Galatia was because of an eye condition. And then he had the famous thorn in the flesh, which we don't know what it is, but hey, we don't, we don't, there's a lot of speculation, I won't go there. Uh, but he had a famous thorn in the flesh to which God said, I'm not taking it away. He prayed three times, not just once, not twice. I'm sure, I'm sure Paul would, have, hello, this is me, the Apostle Paul. Remember we did those miracles? I need this thorn of the flesh. God, I'm writing most of the New Testament. Do you want me to write the New Testament or not? You, I need this. No, Jesus, God said, no, I'm not taking it away. And if you still don't believe me, Jesus was beaten. He was crucified and he died at the hands of Roman soldiers. First of the thoughts that comes out of the text is God does not always intervene in our lives with the miraculous. Now don't leave church just yet, okay? It's only half the story. Second thought is this, God may not always intervene with miracles, but he always has a plan. He may not always intervene with miracles, but he always has a plan. Notice how the story continues. Paul and Silas have been thrown into prison. Their day's gone from bad to worse. How would you have responded in that situation? How would I have responded? I know what I would have done. I would have been complaining to God, whinging, whining, asking what's the point of serving God? What's the point of obeying God? Bad things still happen to you. So what's the point of serving God? But Paul and Silas understood a very powerful principle that believing for a miracle was not a substitute for obedience. More than that, they understood that believing for a miracle was not a substitute for worship. And the Bible says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. How many people know it only take, it takes the grace of God to be able to do something like that? It's the grace of God. And at the darkest point of the night, at a dark time in their life, they were praying and they were singing to God. I tell you, there's a principle there for all of us. We need to learn to worship in the pain and the challenges. of. We need to understand the power of worship. And I know we say it here at church many, many times that, that you know, the worship time that we have in church is not just to fill in 20 or 30 minutes. It's, it's there because we believe in the power of worship. We believe that as we begin to worship God, something can change, that God can speak through the worship. There's something very powerful about worshiping. That worship is a weapon that we can use to come against the attacks of the enemy. That, that, that when we're faced with situations, we, as we begin to worship, something happens. Something can happen in an atmosphere. And that we don't just worship when we come to church. We can worship in the car. We can worship at home. We can worship as we're working. Worship is a powerful weapon at our disposition. Never underestimate the power of worship. And here they were at the darkest point. It's midnight, which, which, which talks about the darkest point of their life. And what are they doing? They're praying and they're worshiping God. So what happened next? As they worship, the Bible says suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. suddenly. 
Love that word. There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once or the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And there it is, the miracle. Some of us are waiting for a miracle and then we worship. Maybe worship, maybe worship is a precursor for the miracle. Maybe some of us need to start worshiping by faith. Lord, I just thank you for what you're gonna do. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna intervene. Lord, I thank you that you're sovereign. Lord, I thank you that you're a good and loving God. Maybe some of us need to learn to worship God before the miracle. Maybe we need to learn to worship whether the, whether the miracle happens or not. Because our relationship with God ought not to be based on, on, on what He does for us, but on who He is. Like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who said, if, we, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. We know that to be true. But even if He doesn't, we want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that, that you have set up. And so Paul and Silas are worshipping and as they are, the miracle happens. All of a sudden, Paul and Silas and the prisons were set free from their chains. Power of God was manifest among them. The glory of God that I spoke about before just came into that prison and suddenly God began to move in a powerful way and, and set them free from all their chains. I don't know what kind of chains are holding you back. I don't know what kind of prison you feel like you're in. But I want you to know that we serve a God that can open prison doors. And he can break all those chains that are holding us back. You know, we can be free, but not be free at all. We can be bound in our minds. We can be, we can be in prison in our hearts. We can be a prison to the past, a prison to an addiction. We can, be, we can be in a prison to so many things. We serve a God that can release us from all of that by his grace and for his glory. The Bible says the jailer woke up, was about to take his life. Paul shouted, don't arm yourself. We're all still here. Jailer called for lights, switch on the lights. There was no switch back then. There was no electricity. There was a trick. They rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he then brought them out and asked, Sirs, just a beautiful question. I love this. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What, what must I do to be saved? What a, what a powerful question. A question all of us need to ask at some point. What must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to them. The Bible says, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. And he and his whole, he and his whole household, what a great, what, 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 what follows salvation is the joy of the Lord. It's one of the marks of salvation. It's joy. It's the joy of the Lord. God may not always move with miracles, but God always has a plan. And maybe, just maybe, the only way God could get to the jailer was through the Apostle Paul. And maybe it was the miracle in the prison. Maybe it was the worship. Maybe it was the worship, which, whichever it was, it, it affected the jailer so profoundly that he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your family shall be saved. You know, it's not just if God sets us free from the difficulty that impacts people's lives. People are watching, what are we doing during the trial? Because even that can impact people's lives. 
And the jailer who saw all of this came to know Jesus. I don't know what kind of challenge you're facing today. But I want you to know that God sees and he hears. He's not unaware of what you're going through. And I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. But I do know a couple of things. God does not always intervene in our lives with miracles. But God always has a plan. God may not always move the way we think he should and do the things we think he should do. But God always, ha- God, God always has a plan. Which kind of brings us to ask another question. Well, should I believe for the miracle or shouldn't I believe for the miracle? Should I pray for the miracle, Pastor Joe, or shouldn't I pray for the miracle? What exactly should I do? Because now I'm a little bit confused. Bible says this. Secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to the children forever, that we may follow all the words of his law. We don't know what God is going to, we don't know how or what God is going to do in our lives, but what we do know is that he is sovereign and we can trust him. What we do know is that what God has revealed in his word and what he's revealed in his word is the fact that we should pray, that we should believe, that we should expect God to move with the miraculous. We need to believe the words that Jesus said. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me shall do even greater things than I have done. But we never allow the miracle to become a substitute for obedience to the will of God or for obedience or for discipline or for worship or for submission to the will of God. Because we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Because we know that God is a good God and He loves us and His love endures forever towards us because we know that no one can frustrate the plans of God. No one can frustrate the plans of God because we know that God's ways are higher than our ways because we know that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we use whatever challenge that we're going through to press into God, to get closer to God, to know God in a greater and a deeper way, to hear His voice, and to develop intimacy with God. I love this scripture in Romans that I read recently, and it says this, Oh, the depth oh, the depth and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable. Listen to what Paul is saying to the Romans. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How deep is the depth and the richness and the wisdom of the knowledge of God? It's a powerful scripture. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? How many people have ever tried to counsel God? I, I, you know, I've, I've given God my card. If you need me, give me a call. I can help you out every now and then. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? Let me, let me lend you 50, God can give it back it's all right for from him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever amen it's a powerful scripture 
It's Job is going through this incredible trial. Why, God? What are you doing, God? What's happening, God? What, 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 are, you, what are you trying to do in, in this situation? And, and God isn't speaking and he's crying out to God. And then, and then Job 38, and the Lord spoke out of the storm. And, 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 and what, 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 what does God do? Does he, does, he, uh, does he tell him what's going on in his life? No, he, he tells him about who he is. Job has a greater revelation of God. Here's a situation where Paul could have been there in prison complaining to God, why God, what are you doing God? Look, I'm being faithful to you. I set this girl free. I'm doing the right things. Why am I here God? What are you doing? And, 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 and Job, uh, sorry, Paul could have stayed down there or could have looked back from God's perspective saw what God was actually doing, saving the jailer and his whole family, no doubt impacting the lives of the prisoners. But above all else, he was birthing a church. It was right there that a church was birthed, a church in Philippi that Paul would later write to the church, to the Philippian church. uh, And we got the the, the epistle there in the Bible. And, And it was right there that it was birthed. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know why. Pastor Joe, I don't know why, why this is happening. I, don't, I can't see any plans in this. I can't, neither can I. I, just, I it's not for, for me to answer those questions. But we can get stuck in, in, in what's happening in our lives or we can start to see our situation from God's perspective and say, God, what is it that you're trying to do here? Because I know that you don't always move with miracles, but I know you've always got a plan. And I trust you because you're sovereign and you're a good God and you're a gracious God. Now, the danger with a message like this is that we can start to settle for less. We can start thinking, well, well, maybe it's not the will of God for me to have a miracle. This is my lot in life. This is as good as it gets. Nothing's ever going to change. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. The Bible says the secret things belong to God, but the things revealed belong to you and me. The things He's revealed in Scripture belong to you and to me. And I want you to know that it is the will of God for us to be blessed. You don't have to pray. Is it the will of God or not the will of God? It is the will of God for us to be blessed. It's not the will of God for us to be bound by chains. Whatever those chains look like, it's not the will of God for us to be, be, be locked in some kind of prison, whatever that, that, that might look like. It's not, it's not the will of God for us to be bound to an addiction, whatever that is like. God wants to set us free. It is the will of God for us to be free, to have a sound mind, to experience the peace of God. It's never the will of God for us to be bound by anxiety and depression. That's never the will of God. It is the will of God for us to be free from the past, to know God's will, to experience joy, that we would be free. And I could go on and on, that we could have great marriages, great families in the name of Jesus, by the grace of God and for the glory of God. It is the will of God. We don't need to ask. We don't need to wonder. We just need to reach out to God in faith. I'm not sure if I'm going to get that job or not. I don't know. I don't know what the will of God is. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to believe for a miracle in the name. But I don't know. I'm going to leave that to God. But I do know that God wants us, you know, to work. And I know that God is looking after me. And I know that God wants to, has, has best interest at heart for me. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's a principle of Scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. That's the heart of God for you and me. Come on, church. The specifics I'll leave up to God. 
I know where I know where God wants to bring me, exactly which road we take. I'll leave that up to Him. But I know that that's the will of God for my life. And that's the will of God for your life. Come on, church. It's the will of God for your life in the balcony downstairs. It's the will of God for your life. One last question. What was the greatest miracle in the story? Was it uh, Paul and Silas being set free? Was it the chains falling off, prison doors open? Was it that the prisoners didn't escape? I reckon that's a pretty big one myself. I mean, here they are. Prison doors are open. What are we doing here? Let's get out of here. Let's do a runner. They all stayed. I think the greatest miracle was the jailer and the whole household being saved. Because there's one miracle that we can all experience and it's the greatest miracle of all. It's the miracle of salvation. It's the most powerful miracle that we can ever experience. He asked, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your whole household. Would you stand with me? Now, just, just a couple of things. I know that there are people here going through a really tough time right now or you've been through a really tough time. Just trying to understand it just makes no sense. And I don't want to, again, just kind of gloss over that, the pain that you might have experienced or are experiencing. And I just challenge you to, to always go back to God, develop your, use the pain and the challenge to bring you closer to God, to bring you closer to God. Say, God, help me to see this from your perspective, from your perspective. Maybe some people here, you've never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe there was a day when you were close to God, but you've drifted away from God. The question is, what must I do to be saved? Some people think, oh, you've got to do good works. Some people think you've got to lie on a bed of nails. And then God's, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you're saved. You're willing to sleep on a bed of nails. No, it doesn't say any of that, the Bible. It's just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bible tells us that all of us are sinners, all of us have sinned, and that sin is going to keep us from a relationship with God. And we can either pay, do two things, pay for our own sin, which, which we can't pay for our own sin. When Jesus came some 2,000 years ago. He paid the price. Someone needs to pay. Either we pay or someone else needs to pay, but someone does, and Jesus came and He died on the cross. He took the penalty for us. And all we need to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and confess Him to be the Lord and Saviour of our lives. And when we do that, when we pray a simple prayer, inviting Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Saviour of our life, we can be saved. The Bible doesn't talk about religion and it doesn't talk about a church. It talks about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. And Father, I just thank You that you're a gracious God, that you still save today, that you're still saving today. 
Just reach out across this congregation. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you that your word makes a difference into our hearts. And let this word be solidified in our hearts today as we go worshiping and honoring and glorifying you. And this is our prayer. Use us for your glory this week in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You've been an amazing congregation. God bless you.